listeners to season four, episode 13 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Shar, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Kelly, and my pronouns are they, them. And this episode, we're joined by the fabulous Sarah Mayfield from Tabletop Ditties. Hello! I'm Sarah Mayfield. My pronouns are she, her, and today I am not playing a half-elf sorcerer. Today I <laughs> am here to talk about a movie. Woo! Oh, we specifically Woo! invited you on to play a half-elf sorcerer. That was part of the contract. Oh, no. <laughs> Wilmer voice this entire yeah, episode. I was like, do you want me to just play, like, do the Wilmer voice? I can't Man. talk about Annihilation. Spoilers, <laughs> I didn't get to that yet. Oh, no. <laughs> this week we're watching her suggested film based on a book, Annihilation from 2018. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be an out-of-this-world Caesar. Mostly because it's also International Caesar Day coming up, Yay. which Sarah pointed out, so Yay. why not? This episode of Drinking and Screaming will contain discussion on self-harm. If that's something that you need to not hear about today, that's totally okay. Feel free to skip this episode. And I want to get this out of the way right now. American listeners, I love you. Thank you for <laughs> constantly supporting us. But a Bloody Mary is not a Caesar, and I'm sorry for that. Nope. All right, Kelly made the drink. <laughs> well, we all kind of pitched in. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so I call this one the Assimilation Caesar. So scared. Oh, my God. Yeah. So <laughs> this is 100% not a Char drink. This is probably the one alcoholic drink that Char actually just hates. So I'm really excited. The uh, the idea behind it was that all three of this, all th- oh god, that face! Oh my gosh, they don't like. It. Uh. I mean, there's a lot of vodka in these, so if you, I have to drink yours as well, I'm gonna be pretty lit by the end of the episode. Uh, so the idea behind the drink is that each of us picked one garnish on the drink, and much like the movie, they all just sort of merged together in one spicy drink. <laughs> The spice is good. Okay, I can't. The reason I'm like, oh, I don't like it. I got to be honest. It's just because I don't like like tomato based. Most tomato based things um, and Clamato juice is pretty tomato based. Yeah, it's very Um, tomato based. But there's enough has been added to this that it's not entirely awful. I will definitely have more than just one sip of it. I did a really complicated one. I was describing the ingredients to Sarah. And oh, yeah. <laughs> it just went on and on and on. It's a I, it's it's our podcast. We have to be ourselves. And myself is very uh, <laughs> hipster and I need the best. Cock- also, I don't drink Caesars a lot, even though I really like them. So I wanted the one time that I do to be like perfection. Oh, yeah. And it's like a meal because there's all whole bunch of shit on it. Yeah, it's really hard to drink this without being smacked in the face with one of the ingredients. A wiener. Hey, spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) But if you want the full recipe, if you want to enjoy this very intense Caesar, go to patreon.com slash drink and screen. Oh, boy. What do you think? Because you like Caesars. This is a good ass Caesar, y'all. This is so good. I'm so happy. I'm I'm just going to leave. The two of you can talk about this movie. I'm going to go drink my Caesar. Okay. (laughs) How is your Caesar? My Caesar is delicious. It's not as complicated, but it is chef's kiss. Mm. Mm. Ours is spicy. and got like a lot of salt to it. And I can smell the ingredients as I drink it. Oh, it burns going down. It's like <laughs> drinking a cold soup. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know what I like in my soup? 
vodka. I mean, it's it's num, 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 this num. is fifty percent liquor. Holy crap! <laughs> I oh do my not God. taste that. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we watched Annihilation, which premiered on February twenty third, two thousand eighteen. It's written and directed by Alex Garland and based on the novel by Jeff Vandermeer. It stars Natalie Portman as biologist and soldier Lena, Jennifer Jason Lee as scientist and team leader Dr. Ventress, Gina Rodriguez as tough lesbian paramedic Anya Thorinson, and Tessa Thompson as quiet astrophysicist team member Josie Raddick. So many ladies, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> This synopsis was written by an anonymous user on IMDb. Sorry, I can't thank you by saying your name, but thank you, anonymous. At Area X, a government facility on the southern coast of the U.S., Lena, a cellular biology professor and former soldier, is in quarantine. She undergoes a debriefing about a four-month expedition into an anomalous iridescent electromagnetic field dubbed the Shimmer, of which she and her husband, Kane, are the only survivors. In flashback, Kane, an Army Special Forces soldier, appears in their home after having disappeared on a mission nearly a year ago. He remembers nothing of that time and suddenly falls very ill. A government security force interrupts Kane's ambulance and transports him and Lena back to Area X, near where the shimmer had begun to spread three years earlier. And now it's time for Kelly to, off the top of their head, finish the synopsis because I didn't write the ending. Oh man, I was having so much fun drinking my Caesar. <laughs> <clears throat> so the team goes in and they immediately... Have no idea where they are, how long they've been in there. They find remnants of civilization that used to be there are attacked by the flora fauna. Which one's animals? Fauna. Fauna. Flor Wait, flora. Wait, both. And I think they're both nature. I think flora it's is flora flowers because it kind of sounds like. Anyway, yeah, I think fauna is like plants. They get attacked by the animals that have been <laughs> mutated by the shimmer. And as they get closer and closer to the uh, center of the shimmer, things get a bit more weird. They find evidence of the team that was uh, set up before them, watching a video of them cutting open one of their friends uh, who has worms, a giant worm inside of him. People get attacked by bears. People start losing their mind and attacking each other. One person decides to, uh, you know, go off into nature and just accept, accept the assimilation Caesar. And uh, eventually... Assimilation Caesar. Assimilation Caesar. Yes. Mm -hmm. With only Lena remaining, she makes it to the center where she discovers a giant hole and the... Mm, I'm going to say remnants of the team leader who is now being dissolved oh. into matter and forms into a new person. Uh, they have a choreographed dance together at which point one of them blows up which uh, ends up burning the entire shimmer and leaving Lena to survive um, to find her, her husband Kane where both of them aren't sure if they're actually the real person that went in it's so intense yes hit me with that trailer audio start from the beginning what do you think I do when you're away you think I'm out in the garden, pining, looking up at the sky? <laughs> He's extremely ill. You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. It was his decision to go in. It's something they termed the shimmer. We've sent in drones and teams of people, but nothing comes back. But something has. You're a biologist. You served in the military. If I knew what happened, I could save his life. The boundary's getting bigger, it's expanding. We're talking cities, states. 
All right, Sarah, what do you think of that trailer? Did you guys see me jump? <laughs> no. I like straight no. up like jumped twice. <laughs> there are two very substantial jump scares in that trailer and I hopped every time. <laughs> That's also something to bring up is when we I wanted to have someone from Tabletop Titties on and everyone was like, I'm too scared. I don't like horror movies. I can't do it. But Sarah braved it for us and I'm so glad. I braved it. Thank that you. trailer showed every important so scene in the much. movie. Yeah, literally most of it. Like the only thing missing is them walking through the woods talking, and that's yeah, like li- character building. Yeah. So I mean, I actually have a fun fact about that trailer. Ooh, a so, fun ooh. fact or a scaredy fact? Uh, Gotta be on brand. Uh, it's I didn't. It wasn't in the scaredy fact section. So this is a normal Kelly fact. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we all know that like studios generally handle trailers. They'll hire like another company to make trailers for them. They're all usually not connected with the director itself. Uh, so the director was a little bummed at how much of this trailer involved like all the important bits of the movie yeah. itself and was hoping that a bit would be left for people to actually enjoy. No, he wasn't happy. No. And um, normally companies that make trailers don't include music from the movie and the only thing that actually did make it in was that. Rah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, that was cool. Yeah. So he was happy that that was in because he felt that that would pull people in because like so many people got obsessed with that. That sound. because They didn't know oh, what yeah. the hell it was. So cool. That's my fun fact for the trailer. Yeah. I'm like surprised that they showed like they had a clip of the final scene when the like glass trees are burning. Hmm. Which I thought was really cool because like out of context watching the trailer, you you're not really going to connect the dots. Yeah. And you're not going to know what happens. But the fact that they show like when she was in the pit with the machine gun, like I was surprised that that made it in because there's other moments in the movie where she's firing that gun. They gave like, it's away not like the they bear. had to use that moment. They gave, yeah, away, the they bear, gave away the bear. The scream. part, the coolest part. They saw the alligator. Mm. We see two shots of her shooting the gun. It's like they all, yeah. I mean, of course they only use the action bits to yeah. make people yeah. draw in. But yeah, it didn't really do a good job of like, Showing the feeling of the movie, more just the content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. It was very content-y. Yes. Very content heavy. Those content creators, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about content, I'm just going to jump on in. I want to bring up, this is Drinking and Screaming. It wouldn't be Drinking and Screaming without Go Women. Go Women. Uh, <laughs> great collaboration of women on the team, both like as actors and the actual characters themselves. I love how they comment early on in the film about how it is a team of all women going into the shimmer. And they're like, no, all scientists. I thought that was a really cool moment. (laughs) But they kind of hint at the fact that it's because men get super aggro and start killing each other. Interesting. (laughs) I mean, that still sort of almost happened in this one with Anya. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. She literally tied everyone to chairs and was like... Yeah, and almost got them all murdered. But then the bear came in and saved them all. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, bear. Does Go anyone bear. talk about the bear in their thoughts? Um, I don't. I do not. Well, not really, no. Well, then we might as well do it now because yeah. holy shit. So cool. Wow, yeah. So the like range of the cast is amazing. They had super believable performances. Every mm-hmm. character was so diverse. And I do want to shout out my favorite on the team was Anya. She was a lesbian. She was badass. She wasn't <laughs> afraid to hit on people. Um, oh, yeah. 
And she had like a very interesting arc because she gets really paranoid in the shimmer, especially when she finds out that Lena's husband, Kane, was one of the soldiers that was in here previously. And then, yeah, she ends up tying all the team to chairs and all threatens to kill everybody. But then this bear comes in. Sarah, do you want to talk about the bear? The bear looks cool. Uh, <laughs> what so, is okay. yeah. hey, Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's like so it's like the it's got the voice of the like other character that it kills earlier, which is so hecking cool. So kind of touching on a future point that I'm going to make, but I read the book and in the book, it does like a hunger games things where every single time a character dies by a creature, it like becomes the creature and you get to oh. see the face in the animal. Yeah. And I thought it was cool oh, how with cool. the bear they did that. But in terms of like the voice, yeah, they end up like calling them down and then just like to their deaths. <laughs> like, and it's her screaming help because the yeah. night before she was attacked by something, they don't know what it was, but it was mm-hmm. this creature. And it's like the design of its face is like half, like you see it's full like bone skull, but the most of it is still the bear. But yeah, yeah. the like psychology of Shepard is kind of in this bear now. Yeah, and it does that. It does that cool thing where it like, it's like right beside their heads and they just have to remain calm. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many aspects of this movie. This one included that I wish I had seen in theaters because being in a room full of people when that scream happens coming out of the bear's mouth would have been like just surround sound screaming as this mutant bear is walking around would have been an experience. Yeah. But back to the lesbian. I mean... Um, all the women on the team were really cool. And I love they had their archetypes, but they also had a lot of wiggle room and nuance in their relationships with each other and themselves and why they all went into the shimmer, because obviously it's basically a suicide mission. It's not suicide. It's Mm self-destruction. The doctor even says that. (laughs) They got their cool uh, backstories where they're not just like, oh, yeah, we're going in and you never find out why. Like they do have the added character depth of the one lady talking about her daughter and like the self-harm that they uh, that one of the characters experiences. Mm -hmm. It's just really cool to see how that affects their reaction in the place, too. And speaking about the the astrophysicist who had experienced uh, self-harm, seeing Josie, how she finished her story of like becoming the leaves and like this like cool plant creature that looks like a human. It was Mm -hmm. so beautiful to see. I think Josie was my favorite. Like she was obviously the one that was like the most scared Mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm, timid. mm -hmm. And despite all that, she still went in knowing that like, she probably wouldn't come out. And there was awful things in there. Yeah. So my other point before we move on from me is I wanted to talk about the actual design of the shimmer, which I assume definitely came from the book. It's not like they completely went away with that. But the idea of how like it's so unexplainable. Oh, Sarah's making a face. Maybe it's totally different in the <laughs> yeah, book. Now I'm like, I, I don't <laughs> actually remember. <laughs> but it's very. Pulls out book unexplainable but yet for me it reminded me of like when you're a kid and you're blowing bubbles in the summer it looks very much like that soapy water or like a gas spill on concrete it has that like what do you call that effect it's like metallic-y 
Um, rainbow yeah. refraction. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully you all know what I'll I mean. I'll think about it. You keep talking. <laughs> but I thought I really enjoyed how it was just recognizable enough that you're like, is this something from Earth that's just been like changed or is this totally something out of this world? The concept of the sci-fi overall was extremely believable for me. I enjoyed the idea that when you're inside the shimmer, the what is happening in there, what is changing the creatures is this weird refraction due to the shimmer itself oh, and yeah, how everything so cool. was like blending together whether they are a creature whether they are like living people or a plant or in the trailer we saw the alligator shark <laughs> and all the flowers were so pretty oh my god i love flowers but yeah that was just the it's a really nice element to horror when things are extremely believable and not too over the top it adds to like this could have really happened this could have been like a year from now Maybe it's already there and the government is hiding it from us. I say sarcastic. <gasps> Probably they are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my two points. Nice. Yeah. Sarah. Oh my gosh. Do you, have, do you have thoughts? I thought the shimmer, the way that the filmography happened and the like color saturate saturation of the shimmer was so cool. Like even in just plain scenes when they were walking through the forest, the way that they were able to have like every single light beam had to be like digitally altered because every single one had this rainbow going on it, yeah. which was so cool. And the little like attention to detail of what the world would look like if it were stuck in a bubble was so neat. Totally. Almost like I a agree. dream as well. Like the whole yeah. movie kind of feels like you're walking through a dream. All right. So my point, you're the I read, expert. <laughs> I am the expert. I read the book before, well, like the trilogy before I watched this movie. And let me tell you, they are very very different in terms of uh, like setup, story, characters. So one of the things that I find really interesting that you don't see in the movie is in the book, it starts out with five of them and then like going into the shimmer. And then as soon as they get through, they're like, where did this other one go? And they're like, oh, they decided to turn back. What? Like oh. when they all awaken and like in the opening scene. And hmm. I thought that was really cool. I wonder if they actually make it out. Do you ever find out? So I read this book like two years ago and I wasn't able to like reread the whole trilogy before coming on here. What? Come on. What? <laughs> God damn but it. But I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons why the psychologist looks so frazzled in like when they all wake up is because the previous night they were attacked and that member of the party died. Oh. And that's why um, she chose to wake them all up at that point. That's interesting. Interesting. That's yeah. cool. Basically, the psychologist has a much bigger role in the book because one of the sequels is almost like entirely told from her perspective, like it, through flashbacks. It's really interesting to see how much of that was not included. Like, for example, in the book, the psychologist has all of these hypnotic suggestion words. So the word annihilation um, triggers everyone to commit suicide. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Which is crazy. And that's like at the end when the main character meets uh, the psychi uh, psychiatrist at the um, lighthouse. 
she yells annihilation at her. And then that's the sign that Lena has become like one with the world because it doesn't trigger her anymore. Trigger her. She's like no longer human. Like none of the trigger words are working for her anymore. But the scientist is, or the psychologist is like actively trying to kill Lena at the end. At the end. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Does she know that like, she know that, she doesn't want to destroy it at that point. Like, does she literally just want to figure out what it is and doesn't want people to try to get rid of it? Kind of like you see the same kind of monologue at the end um, where it's like, I don't know what they want. They're here. Like you see the same kind of like, they're just their experience. Want, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you, but yeah, she just tries to get her to stop. She's like, I knew you were, I knew you were going to be the one to become part of the world. I knew you were going to, What's the word? Integrate into yeah. this uh, environment. Weird wow. that they still included her saying the word then, because yeah. without it's, context, it just she seems like she's name dropping the name of the yeah. movie. <laughs> it's kind of. But weird. I guess she does say like we we're going to be split into so many pieces mm-hmm. that no piece of us is left. Annihilation, which yeah. kind of in context makes more sense, I guess. Yeah. What else was different? One of the things that like totally struck me the first time I watched the movie is. None of the characters are given their real names until like three quarters of the way through the book. So like oh. they're all just referenced by their profession okay. as like a way yep. to keep them very clear of like what their roles are. So they don't end up like humanizing the other people. So it like tries it's a way to try to keep their personalities and stop them from going crazy in Area X. Yeah, which that is makes sense to neat. me. Yeah. And then the biggest one that I was the most irritated by. Yes, tell watching me. the movie <laughs> is when they get to the lighthouse in the book. Lena goes up to the top floor. She f- finds a rug. She moves the rug. There's a secret hatch. She opens the hatch. In that hatch, she finds hundreds upon hundreds of adventure journals from all of these previous missions. So she finds oh. out that she's not like the fifth mission in. She finds out that she's like, the oh. 500th mission in. Wow, that's and awesome. That no one has returned. But people so, leave their journals there. Yeah, because they all get to the same point and their brains are yeah. all like fried to the same extent where they all just be like, oh, wow, screw these people, like giving up on my journal. Yeah, that's intense. That's so cool. That's such yeah. a darker is, ending, the, too. They totally <laughs> yeah. could have done that. The yeah, movie wasn't that, was, that long. That was one of the things that I was, yeah, just. Like that was one of the moments where I was like, this is a weird moment not to include because it adds really cool character depth and insight into the corporation and why they are sending them in. And it asks more questions. It is kind of weird because they said that the shimmer has been up for three years, but they've only sent in like 14 people. Yeah. Like that or 14 groups, at least that's. Mm-hmm. That seems unlikely for a government oh. government organization, especially in the beginning when they're just like, all right, team squad A, squad yeah. B, squad D, squad Z. Let's go. Let's see what um, happens. Yeah, that is actually more believable in the book then. Yeah. But it's, it's also funny to think that they've been sending in like military crews for 499 times yeah. and then they're like scientists, maybe. <laughs> Let's do scientists. The, yeah. the, the all animal one clearly didn't work out. <laughs> The parakeet flew straight up out of the shimmer. Let's send scientists this time. (laughs) Yeah, well, they do this one thing where they say at one point, like on the outside of the shimmer, there are crazy amounts of bunnies. And when she first gets to the base, she's like, why are there so many rabbits everywhere? And they're like, oh, at the beginning, we tried to overload the shimmer by just 
releasing rabbits at it just to see what would happen. <laughs> and I'm just like, 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 that's so like, yeah, let's just, let's just throw a bunch of rabbits at this mysterious thing and see what happens. <laughs> to overload. Yeah. It just got really big, really fast. We, in hindsight, mm. that was a dumb idea. We shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of like sending in a, um, a canary into the coal mine more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like animal testing on animals by just hauling them into there. Yeah, putting a GoPro on a monkey's head. <laughs> yeah, it, but like the entire plot of the book is very different from the movie. Like all of the big landmarks that they see and the kind of progression of the story is very different. And I was like oh. very curious as to why that was the case. So I Googled it. <laughs> Ooh. Tell Ooh. us. And it turns out it's because this movie was written before the entire trilogy was out. Oh, so they read like he read the first book and just kind of created an ending for it. That would seem like satisfactory mm. to the yeah, entire actually, story. I have a scaredy fact about that, too. <gasps> Apparently he, he specifically didn't reread the book before making this movie because he wanted the movie to feel like a dream of the book. Oh, so yeah. So it was more like what he remembered from the book in like a dreamlike state. How meta. Yeah, very meta. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, um, just like reading the book, there's a lot of very interesting looks at how Area X kind of slowly takes over Earth because the book, it like the ending, kind of anticlimactic. Letting letting all your listeners in. Oh, in the book, it's anticlimactic. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was gonna read it. But I, I like the I like the Winamp um creature that yeah. we see in the movie. <laughs> the, the Winamp yeah. custom seat, custom skin. Oh yeah. yeah, that's cool. It almost yeah. looked like an Unreal Four tech demo at the end there. <laughs> yeah. It was all it was all really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I just thought it, it's very different from the book in how the plot and even like the resolution of it is very different. Like in the book, it doesn't get destroyed. It just kind of keeps on going. And then the whole world is just the shimmer. I mean, the book ends before. Yeah. Oh. A lot of horror novels end that way. Like the, the original thing novelization ends with the thing escaping and uh, just decimating earth yeah yeah um i feel like that's just a a positive way to end a horror novel mm -hmm. <laughs> positive <Ooh>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will i will uh correct myself a little bit here it doesn't necessarily end with the shimmer taking over earth there's a point where it is very unclear whether or not the shimmer is on Earth or if it is like a peril kind of world to Earth. Oh, my oh. God. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It just gets better and better. I got to read this. It's book. like the Feywilds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, the, maybe it was all just the Fey. I mean, it wouldn't be too out of uh, context in regards to the acid trip that is this movie. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, my last point was just I thought the psychology of the way all of the different characters attacked Area X was really interesting. And I liked the way that every character going into it kind of saw it differently. Like, sure, how you were saying how um, Cass, the astrophysicist, how she just kind of wanted to become one with nature and you get. The like Anya, who's more into fighting it. And then Josie fights it, too, doesn't she? Because she 
Josie's the one that becomes the plant tree. Yeah. Cass Shepard oh. is the one that gets eaten by the bear. Shepard oh, barely okay. attacks it. She she kind of just well, like she shoots it. She she yeah. <laughs> and then the bear attack. And then uh, what's the Ventress? She kind of assimilates. She doesn't fight it, but yeah. then. That was also creepy at the end when uh, Lena finally finds her in the bottom of the lighthouse and she doesn't have mm-hmm. a face anymore. It's just yeah. this like, black, like kind of metallic-y mask almost. But then when she turns around to speak to Lena, her face comes back. Very Lovecraftian, yeah. the ending. Mm-hmm. To that point, I like that the leader of the pack, you know her well, uh, <laughs> is a psychologist and not like a military leader. So it kind yeah. of does frame everybody's reaction in a psychological way rather than like a flight or flight, fright, fight, flight, freeze, fright, fright or fleas. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But it, it is more analytical in terms of like how each of them reacts to it because she probably specifically picked these people for the ways that they would react to it. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a moment to talk about our sponsors and socials. Looking to add some spooky fun to your home decor? Then step into our parlor. The Spider and Fly carries everything from classic monster ceramic bathroom sets, Ouija board cutting boards, embroidered horror towels, printed mugs, and our new line of creature candles. Our horror fabric masks will keep you safe and stylish through the pandemic. Available in several horror designs, we also offer custom printing services. Get your favorite spooky design on a wallet, mug, puzzle, or cutting board. The Spider and Fly can be found on Etsy at etsy.com slash store slash the spider and fly. Use code drinking to save 10% off in store. This season of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by American Nightmare Candle Company. Discount time. Get 10% off your order on their Etsy page with code drink and scream. Bring the horror into your home with a handmade soy wax candle from American Nightmare Candle Company. The scents are inspired by locations iconic to the horror genre. Places like the Overlook Hotel, Sleepy Hollow, and Elm Street. Each fragrance combination is carefully curated to transport you into the story, and the catalog is ever-evolving. Available for purchase at Etsy.com slash Nightmare Candle Co. This season of drinking and screaming would not be possible without the support from Mad Lab Distillery. But today we were actually sent something new. Barman's Vodka. The most commonly used and versatile spirit in the bartender's arsenal, vodka is a staple for cocktails of all types. Barman's Vodka is handcrafted in small batches, hot stilled to retain subtle flavors that make it the perfect mixing vodka. A must-have for any well-stocked bar. Handmade in Canada. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been... I, I kind of like this Caesar, and I've been mentioning it a bit throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, this vodka's in this Caesar, so it's got to be one of the elements that make me love it so much. So happy I can't describe it. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream on Facebook at drink and scream. And you can email us at drinking and screaming at gmail.com. For more information and to buy some merch, go to drinking and screaming.com. I just had to pay to get that updated. So, you know, if you haven't seen the website, go look at it. It's beautiful. (laughs) Hello, my name is Sarah Mayfield and you can find me at Sarah Mayfield official on Instagram and Facebook are my main ones. You can I'm on the other ones, too, but I'm not on there all the time. I am also on the queer and feminist tabletop RPG podcast, Tabletop Titties. We're actually running an Indiegogo for season two right now with some sick ass perks. Come play D&D with us. It's super fun. 
I have also written an original musical titled The Girl Next Door, and we have a GoFundMe running where you can get exclusive sneak peeks at the music. Um, also with an online cabaret fundraiser coming up at the beginning of June. So stay tuned for all that and check me out. Back to the episode. I like how we both did it. <laughs> Means that it's time for the... Oh, real. Oh, God. <laughs> You're not prepared. I'm so I so don't care about this thing. Chicka, 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 chicka. The real deal. This is our. I, I care about it, Colleen. <laughs> I admire you. I my mom and I have an ongoing antagonism. Uh, so for those of you who don't know this part of the podcast, apparently our podcast isn't honest enough. When we talk about the movies, we talk about the cinematography, the acting, the music, the sound design. Uh, the metaphors and stuff, but we don't actually talk about how scary the movie is. And my mom didn't like that. So the real deal is my mom's segment where we uh, cordon off a little part of the podcast so that she can uh, lay it down for real. <laughs> so here it is. First, the good. Although Annihilation was not a roller coaster ride of emotion like I got from watching Mama, where I went from calm to fear to dread, back down to a false sense of calm, more fear, and then pure pee my pants terror. This movie deserves credit for always keeping me with the feeling that at any time a jump scare could happen. Loved the bear attack scene and the music was pretty cool too. Now the bad. Another go women opportunity missed. What? What? So good to see a movie dominated by lead women. Uh, but why did they all have to be damaged in some way? Oh. Oh. Boo. Not a fan of Je uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Blah. She thought she was like boring. And not a good actress. Not so much a horror, but it was intriguing and visually pleasing to the eyeballs. Two <laughs> thumbs up. That is a good. I'm yeah. glad that she brought up the damaged goods, but I will say that it's because they are going there to die. But it is yeah. interesting that like most movies, it's like you can't have a woman led movie unless there's something wrong with all of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What an interesting topic. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, mom. That was good. <laughs> um, yeah, that really gets you thinking. So my thoughts. So I fucking love this Caesar. It's so good. This is like the best Caesar I've ever had. I'm like a quarter of the way. I might make it to halfway. That's all I'll promise. I filled up um, an old Soylent container with the Clamato and Caesar mix. So like a little pitcher. Nice. So I have so much Caesar left. <laughs> so excited. Anyways, my thoughts about Annihilation. So I... My two things that I was going to talk about is the music and the cinematography. And I fell down a rabbit hole with the music just a little bit. <laughs> so there's a song in particular uh, that's the reason that I wanted to talk about this. It's the acoustic guitar uh, song that plays a few times throughout the movie. I was trying to figure out if it had any significant reason as to why it shows up in the movie, because it kind of just it, it could have been like a scene transition song or something like that. And to me, it kind of felt like cathartic and almost like an emotional support song a little bit because it kind of connects you to the real world still while you're in like this fantastical horror realm. I don't know if either of you felt that as well, because it's kind of like a country yeah. twang sort of. I don't know. Old old town song. I think it's like reminding Lena of who she was. Mm. Yeah. And like how maybe she's being changed. I don't know when it specifically played. I'm trying to think. Oh, I'll tell you. Oh, okay. I, I went through the entire movie and I got timestamps. Oh, my God. Yeah. Kelly, you worked so hard on this. I was so interested <laughs> as to when this showed up and I was trying to find a connection. I'm like fucking Charlie Day in the back uh, back room with the. <laughs> 
corkboard. Yeah. So these are all of the uses and um, contexts. So at 32 minutes, uh, it starts playing after Lena first loses her memory and they st- sort of start reestablishing themselves and walk off into the woods again. Okay. At 50.30, um, it's when she's looking at the DNA sample from the guy in the pool and she sees for the first time the like mm-hmm. uh, refracting DNA split. Yep. At one hour and 30 seconds, this is when Lena is off by herself looking for Shepard and she sees the two deers. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought that up. They were so beautiful. They were so nice. They had their antlers were flowers. It was Mm. beautiful. And so it starts playing as she's kind of having that like uh, moment where she watches the deers. And then finally, it plays again at one hour, seven minutes and 30 seconds when she's checking her own DNA and sees that it splits and she kind of freaks out. But then it shows a shot of her sitting in the chair in what is ostensibly her home. And then it cuts to Kane sitting in the chair as well. So what I got from it is that this plays every time that Lena learns something that makes her more connected to the shimmer. So uh, when she finds out how it affects her mind, when she finds out the first DNA split, when she kind of gets like this beautiful moment looking at what the shimmer can be, and sort of mirroring, mirroring someone that came from the Shimmer and realizing that she's more or less stuck here in terms of DNA-wise. So it almost, it's kind of like Lena's theme, basically. Yeah. Um, and it sort of is an emotional support song because each of those moments are very, like, troublesome to her. Like, she has, like, a moment where she freaks out after each one of these, but the song kind of, like, settles us emotionally and sort of connects her more into the Shimmer more than reality. Yes. So that's my that was my deep dive into that song. It's also um, interesting too, like that song is so recognizably like instrument driven. So we're hearing the guitar, which I would say that most people are familiar with in terms of instrumentation. And then mm-hmm. it'll transition into like subwoofer buzzing or or that kind of like more sci-fi driven music. Yeah. There's a lot of like calm ambient like synth music mm-hmm. that's really subtle and like underplayed in a lot of scenes. But uh, the other song that I want to talk about is called The Alien. And that's the one that plays when she actually encounters the like DNA cloud. Is this a like, cool. yeah. And the director said that it's the only time. Copyright that- it. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to play a little clip of it. Cause okay, I actually found good. a copy of it. Okay. But it's the only time in the movie that synth actually takes over um, and it's supposed to be like a dissonance between the rest of the music in the in the movie because it's yeah. like the most alien like you said you're looking at a Winamp custom skin at that point yeah which was very interesting and how it like drew her in the music does the same I think yeah and yeah. I don't know if either of you got that but it almost sounds like it's talking a little bit like the is so like unmusical that it sounds like it's just trying to talk to Lena the first thing I thought of when you said that was like, I think it's in, in Charlie Brown or something where all of the like adults are like, like it's just the alien doing that. But she's like, totally. See, I was thinking of contact where they get the, the sound from space and they have to like translate it into what it turns out to be like a recipe for a, a space machine. 
been a while since I've seen Contact. I don't know what you're talking about, but sure. <laughs> don't you great. know it's the one where the aliens send them a space machine that lets them talk to ghosts? Ah. Contact spear. <laughs> What's your next point? Good movie, though. Anyways, my second point is for the cinematography. Um, so this movie does one, one of the things that I really love. And I feel like I've mentioned this when we watched The Vavitch, and I've mentioned it about the ritual. And it's that that we still haven't done. We have not done. We the talk ritual. about it so much. We have to just do it. I, I heck and love the ritual. But uh, it's that sort of like flat wide angle shot of the boundary to the unknown and the actors walking into it. And the camera doesn't follow and it sort of like flattens everything. And you just sit there and watch as they walk into this like heavily obscured space. And I really like that even in, in Annihilation, they even like turn behind something. So they are just completely gone the moment they step into the boundary. And it really makes you feel like they're lost now the moment you see that. Yeah, it's a really good establishing shot in a way of like the next arc of the story. And yeah, you get you don't know where they are and they don't know where they are either. which mm-hmm. is cool. And more often than not, it represents them not coming back. Like in the Vivitch, yeah. the family doesn't come back. In Annihilation, they obviously don't come back. Um, <laughs> or or in do the rare... they? Or yeah, do they? Whoa. We in don't the... know. In the rare occasion <laughs> that they come back. I mean, in the ritual, most of them don't come back. So, uh, yeah, I just really like that shot. And I think I've seen a few places where it's not used well, but I've, I really love when it is used well. And then other than that, the whole movie just has like solid ass cinematography. It does its role. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's supposed to be like showing you the beauty of the shimmer, it's sort of slow and wide angle and gives you like this um, breath to uh, take in the entire scenery. But when it's supposed to show you the horror, horror, it's very tight and personal and kind of follows the action that's happening. And it's really good. It's it's one of those movies where you don't notice that the camera's there, which is the best thing that a camera can do. <laughs> it was also just so beautiful. It was so good. Yeah. yeah. I specifically was trying to find out the... Um, significance of the shots where Natalie Portman is firing the gun because they use it three distinct times where she's in the center of the camera. She's kneeling down. She's got the gun and she's shooting. It's kind of like, I don't know, isolating her from everyone or like her defending herself. It's also just I think it just is there to specifically show that she has her military training. So it's a very like she's in the middle. She's in the zone shot because it's the crocodile, the bear. And then at the end, right. Mm-hmm. Um, or kind of the ones the that I'm thinking. Crocodile, of. She also does it uh, at the deer, but doesn't shoot. Oh yeah. Um, he looks at it. with her And then sights. I think the last one is, yeah, at the end when she's looking down the hole, because it was Josie that killed the bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I guess like, she shoots the first time, does almost shoots the second time, and then is just kind of looking out the last time. So maybe it's like showing her progression from military later lady to assimilated shimmer lady. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it just stands out. I guess it's like one of those poster shots. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, those are my points. So um, while you were talking, a book has been forming out of the side of my body. Hot dog. Oh, your body. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I was bringing it back to the drink. <laughs> no, I'm trying to transition into our next segment. I know, oh, but it was okay. the, the Reconomicon was for me out of a hot dog, but for you, it's from your body. I My got body, it. yeah. I looked. Okay. I'm, now I'm gonna. Now it's time to open the Reconomicon. I ruined it. Smooth as sandpaper, y'all. <laughs> 
segue just crashed off the end of a pier. Pick it up, let's go. Wreck it up, My recommendation is The Beach House from 2019. I think Shar and I watched it during the Panini. Yes. And uh, it's pretty solid. Uh, there's some, it's about some strange old god slime that comes up out of the ocean and changes people in a beach town. It's got a very similar aesthetic and actually lots of pretty good body horror. Uh, so that's The Beach House from 2019. All right. I've got two Reconomicons. My Ooh. first one is that you guys all just go do a lot of drugs and sit down and watch planet earth. And that will be a very <laughs> similar experience. Um, so that's the planet earth series from 2006. If you guys want some annihilation vibes, <laughs> Just, I was going to say free annihilation, but I imagine the drugs are probably, I don't, we don't do drugs. So I don't, I don't, know how I don't do any kind are. of like real hard drugs. I watch them in movies. I assume it's a similar experience. Um, everyone just has them on hand. Everyone, yeah, I can get some in my back pocket, you know? Um, the real kind of recommendation here is Interstellar uh, 2014. It's got a lot of really interesting time bending elements. It has the same kind of like they're just there because they're there vibes. I'm also really into personally like that kind of time bendy story, like timeline jump story. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Plus, like a lot of the visuals in that movie are very pretty. Yeah, the end bit's cool. Uh, that's Interstellar 2014. <laughs> it's also one of the movies that will make me cry 100% of the time movie. I watch it. Yeah, oh, it's really? got dad. It's got strong dad issue problems. Yeah. So, Shar, <laughs> uh, what is yours? Arrival from 2017, which is more of a sci-fi drama than it is a horror. But I really enjoy the process that the characters of that film go through with discovering more about this unknown alien. And it has very similar like tones to Annihilation, I found. And it stars Amy Adams, who I love. I don't think she's ever really in horror films, but she's in this sci-fi drama. So that's Arrival from 2017. Now, before mm -hmm. we get into the next segment, I have to ask. Are you going to try to finish your Caesar? No. Can I have the rest of your Caesar? Do you want it now? Can yeah. I Are you have done? the rest of I'm your almost Caesar? done mine. Yeah. All right. I'll eat this hot dog. Push the push the Caesar through the screen for Sarah. Perfect. <laughs> because I have a lot of Caesar left to drink in the fridge and I want I want to show people how good my Caesar is. <laughs> I want to impart on people the deliciousness of the Caesar. I mean that's 90% of the reasons I learned to cook is so that I can I just cook Caesars? for other people. Oh, okay. No, not just. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you don't cook a Caesar. <laughs> it's been leading up to this moment. Is just wait. You're telling me you don't barbecue your garlic before you put it in your Caesar? I had like a third of you're my Caesar. By the way, me that you put roasted garlic in your Caesar. I'm telling you that that would probably be really good that if I did. That would probably be very good. <laughs> but it's one of those things where, like, do you want to be drinking a garlicky Caesar in front of other people? Mm. Like, it's the old like, how much garlic do you want to? Eat and then socialize <laughs> with people. Anyways, it's time for da -da -da! Scaredy Facts. This is the part of our podcast where Shar and I accept you into our shimmer, assimilate with you, and uh, go over some trivia facts to um, 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 um. <laughs> make you realize that it was just a movie with some actors and calm down after the, the spoopy horrorness of the movie. Whew. So welcome to our assimilation, Annihilation. The budget of this movie was $40 million estimated, which I think went all into the CGI at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and pretty big name actors. That's true. Yeah. I j I'm just thinking of the rendering power of that, that CGI at the that end. That Winamp. <laughs> the opening in the weekend uh, in the USA, which actually 
is a, there's a story behind this was $11.1 million. So the story is that during production, the production company actually lost interest in the movie. And they had like this whole fight about how it should be redone and re-edited because it's too intellectual and too smart. Blah, blah, blah. The ending needs to change. Oh, how dare you make a smart movie? And uh, Netflix actually picked it up. So it had a release in, I believe, the States and China theatrically. But then Netflix um, premiered it um, on on Netflix, which now, weirdly enough, it's not on it's Netflix. Not, no. I don't know what's it might be on US Netflix. I don't Weird. know. It's a strange thing. So that really fucked with its uh opening weekend. So hmm. it uh suffered for that. It has cumulatively made four point forty three point one million. So that's just sad. I yeah. feel bad for them. It was really good. <sighs> I mean, it's not like the directors are starving because Ex Machina did so yeah. well. <laughs> um, True. So I don't have too many scaredy facts for this one. Um, I actually looked into like blinking, you'll miss it moments. But surprisingly, there's not like a lot of Easter eggs hidden in this movie. It's mostly like the tattoo, which we kind of know about, and then some yeah. other stuff. So well, I feel like we did a lot of like extra bonus scaredy yeah. facts throughout the episode. So I knew <laughs> that I knew that the book would have a lot of interesting things. Uh, but so, tell us what you do know. Funnily enough, Oscar Isaac actually filmed this movie and Star Wars episode eight. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Roman numerals. Yeah, there's just the Roman numerals written. <laughs> Episode v, v. Uh, Last Jedi um, on adjacent studio lots. He had the same trailer for both films and would often film scenes for both movies on the same day. So okay. that's pretty fun. Wow. Wow. Just Lots of back, back and, and forth. forth. Yeah. Uh, today, I'm, I got to be in a room talking to my wife, drinking bloody water. And tomorrow I'm a <laughs> TIE fighter shooting some people. Not a TIE fighter. An X-Wing. No, he wasn't a TIE fighter in one of them. Anyways, (laughs) director Alex Garland decided not to reread the novel Annihilation. Instead, he decided to adapt it like Mm -hmm. a dream of the book. We went over this one. The snake tattoo that I mentioned. Tell me more about this. That appears on Lita's forearm is not there before she enters the shimmer. It also appears on the arm of Anya, as well as the body of the soldier killed on the wall in the uh, building they entered. The tattoo is a symbol of a snake eating itself, also known as an Ouroboros, which ties into the film's themes of self-destruction, the snake eating its own tail. Mm. Um, Is this tattoo in the book, Sarah? No, I don't think so, at least. I guess it's just like a way to visually represent how much they're becoming each other. Yeah, Yeah, I wonder whose tattoo it was originally. It was on that guy. Yeah. That was dead. Yeah, maybe it was his first, and then as soon as they got in, it refracted onto them. Yeah, because Kane had the bear tattoo on his shoulder hmm. that, A, looked hmm. too fucking fresh. <laughs> uh, like, he must have gotten that two days before going on on this uh, mission. But I was kind of expecting to see that show up in places. But I wonder if it was, like, foreshad. Blink and you'll miss it. Kane's tattoo is a bear, and then they get attacked by a bear. Whoa. Ooh. I don't think that's a connection. I, yeah. <laughs> My next point is the abandoned house they camp at within the Shimmer is architecturally identical to the suburb house Lena and her husband live in outside the Shimmer. Another example of the echoes. That was super cool. That was, I love that's so that. cool. I didn't notice that. You even see a moment where she like is standing at the base of the stairs and almost goes up and then decides not to. And it's mm. the same shot that uh, Kane has when he first enters the house coming back from the Shimmer, which again kind of reflects the echoes. But uh, yeah, it's cool. That's why they got the shot of her when she discovered that her blood was splitting. It was able to cut to Kane sitting in their kitchen t- table just because it was the exact same location. 
Prior to its release, the film drew some criticism for the casting of Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Lee as characters who are in the books described as Asian and half Native American. Alex Garland explained that none of the five female characters' ethnicities revealed in the first book, which is the only one of the trilogy he had read before making this movie, and that the script was actually completed before the second book was even published. So I can see that. Yeah, yeah, I don't that's know. where I was I, like, I was like, I was like, I don't think that's revealed in the first book because the first book is entirely like they are um, so dehumanized through just referring to each other as like the archaeologist or the psychologist that I was like, I don't think there's much, if any, descriptions in that first novel. Yeah, it is kind of a script that feels like it could have been like any race could have played any characters. Mm-hmm. So. I would I'd be interested to see how soon in the production Natalie Portman was actually hired. Yeah. And if anybody actually mentioned that the second book tells him what the athlete, uh, ethnicity of everyone is. But yeah. um, it might have just been a they got a big name on. So they were like, let's do it. Got to yeah. have that Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's my last scaredy fact. Like I said, there weren't too many interesting ones. A lot of them were pretty obvious. And some of them were like intensely scientific breakdowns about the concepts that are present in the movie. Okay. And I was like, there are too many words that I will not be able to read in this. So I'm not going to. Well, then just tell us your final thought. Also, I think the the gun gun fact, I think it's just an assault rifle. (laughs) I think they just use a fucking assault rifle gun. Hey guys, there's one military assault rifle and that's that's the one (laughs) final thoughts is that I this is a refreshing ass movie as as dark and as I don't know, draining as it may or may not be watching this movie It's I can never not be like, hey, let's watch Annihilation and I will continue to recommend and watch this movie into the future for years. My thoughts are I think it's a very weird ass sci-fi movie and I love me some sci-fi movies but um there was just something about this movie that just seemed extra weird to me (laughs) and I it's one of those movies that I don't know if I would do the same thing as Kelly where I don't know if I would just rewatch it because I'm like hey I'm in the mood let's watch some nature-y sci-fi um I do love the I think the characters were really cool in it but it's just not something that I would redo even though I would reread the books Interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am just surprised that this film didn't make more money than it did, but we did go over like the story behind that. And that's just what a what a missed yeah. opportunity. I feel like it's a great movie and I will always recommend it to people, especially if they haven't seen it. But there are for all you listeners out there who are some scaredy cats, there are some pretty intense moments in here. Um, as well as the overall fear of what is to come is very present in the film. But now I definitely need to read the book. I love reading horror novels, so or I guess this is definitely more sci-fi than horror, but still, yeah, um, I'm very intrigued. Well, that's been Annihilation, a movie about how nature um um uh um Does finds thing. a way. Next week we'll be watching. Whatever wins the Patreon poll. As of this moment, there is a tie between Things Heard and Seen and Brightburn. So- oh, wait, let me log into my <laughs> Patreon and vote. <laughs> 
So you all can vote. It is um, patrons of any tier can vote in this week's poll. So have some influence on the show. And remember, always scream responsibly. No, not yet. I'm voting for Brightburn because I want to fucking talk about that movie. <laughs> well, they still have time to vote. So you yeah, don't you get, get to decide. Overruled. I can't log into Patreon. Ah! <laughs> listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and local designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com.